Preface of Raiding with Morgan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Raiding with Morgan by Byron A. Dunn. Preface General John H. Morgan was one of the most picturesque figures in the Civil War, an officer without a peer in his chosen line. During the two years of his brilliant career, he captured and paroled at least 10,000 Federal soldiers, and kept three times that number in the rear of the Federal Army guarding communications. When we consider the millions of dollars worth of property he destroyed, and how he paralyzed the movements of Buell, we do not wonder that he was considered the scourge of the Army of the Cumberland. General Morgan was a true Kentucky gentleman, and possessed one of the kindest of hearts. The thousands of persons captured by him almost invariably speak of the good treatment accorded them. The following incident reveals more clearly than words his generous spirit. In reporting a scout, he says, stopped at a house where there was a sick Lincoln soldier who died that night, no men being in the neighborhood, his wife having no person to make a coffin or bury him, I detailed some men who made a coffin. The adventures of Calhoun as a secret agent of the Knights of the Golden Circle opens up a portion of the history of the Civil War which may be almost unknown to our younger readers. During the war, the whole North was honeycombed with secret societies, whose members denounced Lincoln as a usurper and a bloody monster, and maintained that the government had no right to coerce the South. They resisted the draft, encouraged desertions, and embarrassed the federal government in every way possible. In secret, many of the leaders plotted armed rebellion, the liberation of Confederate prisoners, and the burning of northern cities. They held out inducements to the South to invade the North, and there is but little doubt that Morgan was lured to his destruction by their representations. Shortly after the close of the war, the author met a gentleman who had served on the staff of General Breckinridge. This officer affirmed that he had carried a message from Breckinridge to Morgan, saying that the former had positive information that 40,000 armed knights stood ready to assist Morgan if he would invade Indiana. Everything goes to show that Morgan relied on these reports, and it was this belief that induced him to disobey the orders of General Bragg. It is an interesting question whether General Breckinridge was really privy to the plans of the Knights, and whether he secretly encouraged Morgan to disobey orders, hoping that the appearance of a Confederate force in the North would lead to the overthrow of the Lincoln government and to the independence of the South. The author has taken the ground that Breckinridge was fully cognizant of Morgan's intended move. This volume mentions only the greatest of the General's raids, and the author has tried to narrate them with historical accuracy as regards to time, place, and circumstances. In stating that the number of his men, his losses, and the damage he inflicted on the Federals, the General's own reports have been followed. These, as was to be expected, differ widely in many cases from those of the Federal officers. The tale of the exploits of Calhoun is substantially true, though the hero himself is fictitious, for every one of his most notable feats was accomplished by one or another of Morgan's men. It was Lieutenant Easton of Morgan's command who killed Colonel Hallisey in single combat. Calhoun's achievements in the escape from the Ohio penitentiary were actually performed by two different persons. A sharp dining-room boy furnished the knives with which the prisoners dug their way to liberty. Captain Thomas H. Hines planned and carried to a successful termination the daring and ingenious escape. Captain Hines fled with General Morgan, and every adventure which befell Calhoun in The Flight to the South actually befell Captain Hines. The captain's marvelous story was published in the January number of The Century, 1891, and to this narrative the author is indebted for the leading facts. B.A. Dunn, August 1st, 1903. End of Preface